You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talking About Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Olinger, joined by Sean Kennedy. And Sean, last week we had our first guest with our colleague Dave Early. This week we have two new guests, Dominic Flame of the Daily Thunder and Mitchell Maurer of Brew Hoop. Brew Hoop is the Milwaukee Bucks site for SB Nation, also another SB Nation site like ourselves here at Liberty Ballers. And Sean, what do the Thunder, Bucks, and Sixers all kind of have in common right now? Uh, none of them are playing basketball anymore, so that's True. that's one thing. Uh, another one would be that they are all purportedly involved in trading away Chris Paul or thinking about trading for Chris Paul. So we're going to dive into that topic and what we can come up with for some potential CP3 trades. Yeah, so today is going to be a little bit of a different kind of podcast. It's I mean, honestly, it's not too much different from last week's podcast when we were trying to figure out a ton of trades that the Sixers can make to improve their team. But the idea here is that Sean and I will be acting as the Sixers front office. Dom will take the Thunders front office, and Mitch is on the Bucks front office, all trying to sort out trades, offering trades in real time, debating which trade is better, all that kind of stuff. Dom, Mitch, how about you introduce yourselves to the listeners? Uh, Dom here. I'm a writer for Daily Thunder. Been there for about a year. Um, full confession, I guess. I actually was born and grew up in Pennsylvania, so I am a bit of a Sixers fan too. Uh, I've been following them since I moved back in like 2015. All the better. The, well, quick I'm hoping that uh, they can get some things turned around as well. Quick question, Dom. What what's place in where in Pennsylvania? Um, well, right now with all the the world, I'm living at my parents' house for the most part, which is in here. County, but I uh, I actually live normally and work in Lancaster. Oh, nice. And Mitch, how about yourself? Well, as they introduced me before, I'm Mitchell Maurer. I'm one of the managing editors over at Brew Hoop. Uh, born and raised in Milwaukee, I currently live in Austin, Texas, because uh, that's where my job is. And well, I'm going to stay where the work is, that's for sure. I've been with the site since, geez, 2009, I think, and running it for about two years now. Sounds great. And Mitch, I, I've been reading your work, too, over at Brew Hoop. I, I, I know, too, like, so, it's, I mean, obviously, the topic today is Chris Paul, if he's going, not, if he's going to be traded. And the reason, like, 
the Sixers and the Bucks both want is both the Sixers and the Bucks, the consensus like top two favorites in the East in the preseason. Neither lived up to what we thought was their potential. And while not the same reasons and not to the same standards, obviously the Bucks had a much better season and postseason than the Sixers. It's still like I feel like there's some similarities between like they were missing a the create uh, an extra creator, someone who could create a shot off the dribble for themselves. And what, even at his advanced age for an NBA player, Chris Paul is one of the best in the league at creating shots for himself, especially in the crunch time. So that's why you can kind of see like the mutual interest that both teams would have. Wouldn't you guys agree? Uh, yeah, sure. Me... I, that makes that makes sense to me. I'll let you go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I was just going to mention that another similarity is both teams had kind of that guy a little bit last year. Uh, the Sixers obviously had Jimmy Butler and the Bucks had Malcolm Brogdon, who, you know, not the star caliber player that Butler is, but he was also just another guy that could kind of create a little bit on the perimeter and both, both uh, organizations let that guy go, which uh, didn't turn out to be a great decision. No, neither turned out to be a great decision. Um, but I think that we've, probably done enough here so how about let's let dom take the stage here first because he is the one who is in theory offering chris paul to all of us so dom what is it like just so pretend you are you are sam presti and you are sending the waves around the league you've just i mean you've let billy you mutually parted ways with billy donovan it looks like you're going to the rebound rebuild around shea gildas alexander and all those picks you got from the trades last year what is like? What are you sending out to the rest of the general managers in the league about what you're looking for in a Chris Paul trade? Mostly at this point, stuff. I'm just gonna leave that open. Uh, we don't want to be stuck in the middle. Uh, I think some Sixers fans would know what that feels like, and the goal is to pretty much get out of the range of being the say six to nine seed in the West for forever. Move on from our vets. Get in some some sort of promising youth and if it ends up being more in the form of picks that's fine too um i'd kind of be interested personally in getting at least one somewhat interesting young player whoever it may be and uh to mention also it's not just cp3 that's on the on the block i think dennis schroeder might be of interest if you're looking for somebody to create at a slightly is a very of a great interest to me just letting you know that right away <laughs> okay i was i was kind of hoping it would go that way too but uh schroeder's definitely available uh possible gallinari sign and trade and i i know i mentioned it to you earlier but if the sixers are looking for another highly paid big man we may have some openness towards moving stephen adams Yes, I, I know. I mean, if we, me and Sean were acting like the actual Sixers front office collaboration, we might, we might be interested, but we're going to act as the collaboration, but I guess the good parts of it, if there are any. It's the new and improved collaboration. Elton Brand went through his growing pains. He wasn't, he, he admit, self-admittedly was not ready for the job when they gave it to him, but now he is. He's, he's learned everything he needs to know about being an NBA general manager, and he's ready to take the league by storm. So that's, yeah. that's where we're going from. I'll, I'll be the Elton Brand in this situation, and Sean, we'll just make up a name for you, Sean. Like, I don't know, like um, Jalex uh, Tucker. That sound good? As long as I'm not Josh Harris in this scenario. Uh, you can call, call <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't do that to you, Sean. <laughs> we're friends, man. Yeah. Uh, so – Dom, you said, like, you want an interesting, probably young player, which obviously makes sense. Like, 
you I mean I'm guessing like we don't know how good Shea Gildas Alexander is gonna be if he's like a certain level of star or some kind of that but you want some theoretical like pieces to build around him I mean I don't want to speak for Mitch but I'm guessing both teams right away the Sixers best young piece to offer that they'd be willing to trade is probably Matisse Thibel who was just an awesome defender as a rookie but certainly has his limitations on the offensive end and the Bucks, it's probably Dante DiVincenzo who I mean a little similar probably not as high level defender but a really good one and ha- but definitely offers a little bit more on offense although that's not a strength as well so like Straight off the bat, who do you think is a little more interesting out of that, Thibel or DiVincenzo? Um, personally to me, and also I used to write for the SB Nation site for the Thunder as well, mm-hmm. and I did draft breakdowns last year, and Thibel was kind of one of my draft crush guys. Oh, I loved – I had him 10th on my board. So, yeah, he was, uh, he was one of my favorites for OKC. So I think I'm probably a little higher on him, but I've started to look a little bit more into DiVincenzo the last few days, and – I'm certainly not against it. Um, so I think I'd go either way, but if I had to lean between one of those two, I'd pick Matisse by a little bit. So it sounds great for us, but Mitch, I mean, you're – so let's say Mitch has just hopped on a call with Dom as the GM of the Bucks. What are you trying to offer him right away? And I know reading your PSA, I know you are big on, like, a Chris Paul trade doesn't necessarily solve anything. You talked in your one latest piece how – Every, all the Bucks problems are a little interconnected that you can't just fix one thing without touching other parts of the system. Like, so what is like, are you kind of thinking going into this? Yeah. So, and it's funny that you bring up DiVincenzo as one of the young pieces that the Bucks have to offer because essentially he's the only young piece that the Bucks have to offer. Hmm. Uh, Sterling Brown is a restricted free agent and he's already 25 and he, you know, he got buried in the rotation on a good team. So he might be good, but, he also might not be. DJ Wilson similarly is 24 and in the last year, coming up in the last year of his rookie deal and hasn't really shown anything. Um, whether that's being d- buried on the depth chart, again, on a very good team, or if he just isn't that good. They're, the Bucks are an old team. They've got a ton of vets around Giannis Adetokounmpo and Chris Middleton. And, you know, Giannis is 25, Chris is 29 already. So there isn't really any young piece that you could make a centerpiece of a trade, certainly not for anybody of Chris Paul's stature, even at his, you know, his 35th age uh, season. So given the fact that the cupboard is kind of bare when you look two, three, four years down the line on Milwaukee's side, I'm kind of hesitant to offer up Dante. Um, And, you know, if we're being honest, the money doesn't really work with, uh, without, some of the bigger names that are on the Bucks roster because Chris Paul gets paid what 41 million next year and Dante's salary is three. So maybe he, if he needs to be a throw in because it's the final thing to move it over the goal line, then, you know, we'll certainly talk about it. It's not something I'm leading with um, because the, the rules, the, the mechanics of how a trade would actually have to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think like, obviously your probably best salary match is like Chris Middleton, but I mean, I, I mean, I'd, I'll ask you, Mitch, like, would you even think about that? I, I personally probably wouldn't trade Chris Middleton for Chris Paul. Like, I mean, even if Chris Paul is a slightly, just a little bit better, like, how much better as a team are you really getting? Yeah, I was I was born and raised in the Midwest, so I have that politeness that I'm not going to hang up the phone if somebody asks for Chris <laughs> Middleton in a trade, but I'm not, I'm not keen on discussing it unless it's to bring in a clear upgrade 
that's going to be worthwhile. Chris Paul is a great player, has been a great player for a long time, but emphasis on long time. I, I have very, very, very little interest in parting with Chris Middleton if Chris Paul is the main return. No, I think you're definitely right about that. Like um, I had Tom West for our site, Liberty Ballers. He was on my podcast this summer. And when we, during the quarant like uh, the NBA suspension, we were picking our all NBA teams. We both put Chris Middleton's second team. Like I think Middleton's really, really good. So I, I definitely say that would, I, I would probably lean the same way you are there, but, Sean, I think it, it seems like the Sixers are probably the front runners right now, according to what we've heard from Dom and Mitch. So I don't know. So here's my first offer trying to think, because I mean, in theory, you want to give like Al Horford's contract because it's, it helps you match, obviously. And I feel like the Thunder would be more inclined to take it because, you know, just it's one less year than Tobias Harris's contract and is slightly less money for what it's worth. So I don't know what you think of this trade. Like I did write down like Al Horford plus Mike Scott for Chris Paul, kind of like the Daryl Morey trade where you just give the other team a terrible offer right away to see what they think. But <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see that moving the needle for them. Yeah, uh, probably not. So yeah, I, that distinctly did not move the needle. <laughs> <laughs> so Sean, I was thinking like Horford, Thibel, Furcon, and Mike Scott for Chris Paul and maybe throw in a pick if they want that. And also, just because I'm very picky, I would also ask back for Isaiah Roby from the Thunder because he's on their roster and I actually liked him in the draft last year. Sure, yeah. I wrote, I wrote about uh, a potential Chris Paul trade and what it would kind of look like uh, today for Liberty Ballers. Um, yeah, I kind of settled on Horford, Mike Scott, Thibel, and giving them back their first round pick this year. Hmm. And so I, I think that gives Oklahoma City the young guy that Dom mentioned in Thibel to kind of have somebody that fans can point to and say, oh, well, this could be an exciting player to watch. It helps them with their, you know, draft war chest and the millions of picks that Presti is assembling um, by getting their own pick back. And then uh, Horford, obviously, for salary match purposes. But uh, also, he only has one extra year than uh, CP3, but it's only guaranteed for $14.5 So I feel like in that year, it could even be like useful as an expiring to like fill out salaries in, in a trade they wanted to make. And otherwise, it's, just, it's not an overly cumbersome contract for them to... Uh, to take on considering they're getting off about 15 million a year going from Paul to Horford. So uh, we can see what he thinks about that. Um, could I be totally honest? Sure. That, please. That's probably better than I would have offered myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Sean, we really are the Sixers front office. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've, we've out branded the situation. <laughs> In terms I mean, of, <laughs> what I would expect, I was thinking something. I don't know if Philly would be as interested. I was thinking something along the lines of just straight up Horford. I don't don't know if Josh Richardson's available, and a first Horford a Richardson at first. What was that? So you're saying Horford Richardson in the twenty first pick? That was my thought from Philly, and then I was just going to send you. My original plan was to do that, and then send Jay Rich to the Warriors in their uh, TPE and bring back another first for that. Hmm. 
Yeah, so my initial thought to that is, like, clearly, because I think this is what me and Sean were thinking, because to us, Mike Scott basically has absolutely zero value. He is just cap filler. I mean, Sean, would you agree with that at this point? Like, there's not really much Mike Scott value left. I think his value stems more from his uh, community outreach in in showing up to weddings and drinking and dancing with people more (laughs) more so than anything he does on the court. Yes. Maybe maybe punching opposing football fans once or twice. Well, we won't get into that. I know what you're talking about, but... um... The, uh, yeah, so I think it com- that one really boils down because we both had Horford in that is where do we each view the value of Josh Richardson versus Matisse Thibel? I mean, because Matisse, like, in theory is – I mean, obviously he's much younger. You can develop more. But, I mean, Richardson isn't old. Richardson can do more on offense. And, like, do you, I don't know. Does, do you think that speaks, like – I? Like, Sean, who do you think is, like, a better trade asset to the Sixers, or who would you rather keep if you're the Sixers, Josh Richardson or Matisse Thibel? I would definitely rather keep Matisse just because Josh is going to be in the last year of his deal. And even, obviously, under the current situation, and then if they're bringing Paul in, hypothetically, there's they, they don't really have the ability to bring Josh back, I wouldn't think. I think that would just be... I mean, I, I hate to say you, you have to worry about the luxury tax, but I think that bringing him back with all the other contracts they have on the books would just like be to such an exorbitant level that I, I don't even think that reasonable ownership groups would swallow that. So I feel like Josh is kind of gone after next year regardless. So it's more like what you could get for Josh or how much better does Josh make you than Matisse next year only. And I don't think it's a meaningful difference where like having Josh versus having Matisse would be the difference in a title. So I would be more inclined to keep Matisse as a a young rookie contract guy that you can still have around for a few years Mm -hmm. to come. So are we saying that if Dom acting as Sam Presti calls us and says Horford, Jay Rich in the 21st pick for Chris Paul, would we say yes? Because I think I would say yes. I would say yes too. I think it also speaks like how much we offered at first to just how desperate we are as Sixers fans, like watching this team and realizing how bad it was. Like just, I, I mean, I don't, I know you guys like Dom that you haven't watched the Sixers as much as we have. Like it is just painful watching this team play offense at times where there's never a drive to the rim. Never like if the ball does not go into Joel and beat in the post, like nothing good happens usually. It well, is. I, I mean, terrible. by the time the playoffs came around, the person throwing post-entry passes was like, we were down to like Shake Milton. Oh, we're the worst. They're the worst passing team in the NBA. Like that is the one thing I will let you know, even though I shouldn't do this as theoretical GM, Josh Richardson is one of the worst passing guards in the NBA. Yeah, he that was cannot throw passes. So Mitch, we haven't heard you from you for in a while. Um, like, I mean, maybe from, like, an outsider's perspective, what do you think of that t- potential trade? Like, Horford, Thibel – oh, no, Thibel. I keep mixing this up. Horford, Josh Richardson, the 21st pick for Chris Paul. And what that do you t- – Yeah. The off, off, the, off the bat, it seems like a decent trade. I am very low on Al Horford only because of how steep his decline has been since his last season even in Boston. Uh, he, he just hasn't been – himself he's already 34 and he's on the hook for a lot of money 
and I question whether or not Oklahoma City benefits from getting out from under Chris Paul's money only to have to deal with another year of high salary for Al Horford. Like, you know, Dom was talking about not wanting to be stuck in the middle and wanting to get stuff. Is Matisse Tybel, you know, uh, in that other package better than that pick? He might be. Because you have to also have to consider that, you know, the, the Thunder have, you know, they're trying to build around Shea. And, you know, they have a lot of things that they need to put around him. And maybe Richardson is good for that year. But are they going to really want to pony up money to pay Richardson when his contract is up? I'm, you know, I have questions about that. Hmm. I think that for, for Chris Paul, because of the, the size of his salary, it makes deals like this more palatable. But it just – it doesn't really – it doesn't really wow me if my goal was to get the biggest return for Oklahoma city. Yeah. I definitely agree there. If, it, if Philly came to me and said they would add Thibault and it would be the Scott Thibault Horford trade, I would have much preferred that than what I had initially said myself. It was more a matter of sort of what I almost expect. I think I'm a little bit lower on the idea of Paul for a lot of teams just because his market's kind of limited to pretty much the Sixers and the Bucks, I think. And the Knicks. Never never count out the Knicks. Never count. Uh, well, Mitch, I've just – I mean, I guess, like, because obviously the Bucks probably need to do something. I, I do understand your position of, like, everything's connected. If you pull one piece, like, it doesn't necessarily fix everything. And – Right. I don't. I definitely think you have a point about like. I mean, the Sixers' big problem, I think, was that they lost in the second round again, even though it was to the eventual champs in a very close series, and kind of overreacted, trying to fix stuff. And they just—it's been ever since Sam Hinkie left. It's been like four years of overreactions. But I mean, and I know I don't. I don't. We don't want to go into oh, is Giannis leaving? Where would he go? So look at. But obviously, it's very important this next year to your prospect of keeping your generational superstar. So yeah. if you're not going for Chris Paul, what do you think you're trying to do as the Bucks GM to try and improve this team? So Chris Paul himself may not be the answer because of the logistics involved, but a player that does similar things as Chris Paul is probably the right way to go. One of the keys to the Bucks defense is Eric Bledsoe and his defense from the guard position. He, you know, he even made second team all defense again. This year, so he was clearly good at it and rewarded for it, but the level to which his, I'm just going to say it, offensive ineptitude has completely submarined the Bucks' plan to do anything about the wall that constantly faces them in the playoffs is really starting to be a hindrance. And that's why I know Shams Charania reported that he was uh, going to be a likely trade target for the Bucks to offload him. And, you know, everybody on our staff, when we first read the report, was, yeah, that's one of the most obvious things because he's the, the most obvious piece that you can lose. And yeah, the defense might suffer, but if the offense improves even, you know, just a couple of, of points that by itself could have been enough to turn the heat series from a complete failure to, you know, maybe a longer, more drawn out failure, but they need, they need better playmaking in the backcourt. Chris Paul is a great playmaker Maybe they can't land him, but they need somebody. And the obvious weak link on the Bucks is Eric Bledsoe. So if we can find a way to replace what he offers, you know, he offers a lot on defense, but he offers very little on offense. If we can try to find a way to, you know, wrangle that out and, and create something on offense that 
actually can do something against the wall, then probably that's going to be the most likely path to success. Mm -hmm. So just, I mean, you said like just another garden that like, what about Dennis Schroeder from the Thunder? Does he make a lot of sense for the Bucks? Some, I guess. I'd, I'd be willing to think about it. He's also, I believe, what is he under contract for one more year at about the same money as Bledsoe? Uh, go ahead. Yeah, Fifteen million a year, I think. Okay, so yeah, he he makes a little bit less than Bledsoe. He's got one more year left. I know he was uh, one of the six man candidates, so he definitely had a, a good season. Um, I don't know. He doesn't. It doesn't really. At that point, I'd rather just kind of roll with George Hill, who's already on the Bucks. Uh, he, he feels like a, a safer decision maker and just a, a more a more savvy veteran to have out there than Schroeder. So, yeah, I'm 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 certainly willing to listen, but I don't have uh, I'm not feeling any urgency to pursue Dennis Schroeder of all the guards out there. I I kind of really liked what Schroeder did this year. In fact, I. I even got a little greedy. So say, Sean, we decided we didn't want to go with that trade. We wanted to get greedy. I just wanted to throw this out here. And it involves a third team who – so I'm calling up Michael Jordan, owner of the Charlotte Hornets. He's on and my you, line. You got Michael Jordan on speed dial like that. It's impressive. I, I do. It's, I'm going up in the world, Sean. But uh, <laughs> I'm at – so just like – and you guys can make fun of me if this doesn't make any sense. But I just want to throw it out there. So what if it was Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder both to the Sixers, the Thunder got Josh Richardson, Mike Scott, Matisse Thibel, Furkan Korkmaz, and Nick Batum's expiring contract, and Al Horford goes to Charlotte, plus maybe the Sixers send them a pick. And I, I know it's hard to believe, but I got MJ to agree to that. Dom, what would you say if it was Chris Paul and Schroeder for all that? So basically the assets you're getting are Josh Richardson, Matisse Thibel, Furkan Korkmaz, and you get expired. There's expiring contracts in Nick Batum and Mike Scott, which will open up some cap space. I think if Charlotte agreed to it, I would pretty much have to say yes for OKC. It's basically agreeing to the Horford Thibel swap earlier, but swapping out a probably easier to eat contract. Sean, what do you, I know I didn't call, consult you before this, Sean. That's not how a collaboration usually works. And as we know, collaboration is the key to success in NBA front offices, apparently. So I feel like this might be how the collaboration actually works for the Sixers. Like, Alex, people Alex, just make separate calls and then they <laughs> kind of talk about it after the fact. Alex Rucker calls in the trade to Josh Harris and then he call, they tell Elton about it an hour later. What? What happened? Yeah. I, who? <laughs> this, this, this might have been how the uh, Tobias trade went down with LA. The Tobias trade went down like the Sixers called the Clippers like an hour before the deadline because the Clippers didn't think they could get rid of Tobias. And then the Sixers just offered him, offered Landry Sham and all those assets for him. And then like 10 minutes later, the Lakers called them straight up offering Evita Zubats from Mike Muscala. It, I like, I couldn't believe like that Clippers front office, that must've been the happiest front office in the world for like those two hours. Um, Jerry West knows what he's doing. That's that's the takeaway from that. Um, yeah, but reg regarding Charlotte, I, I actually, with uh, Adia Royster on the Out of Sight podcast about a week ago, we were talking about like what we could kind of, what how we could get off Horford. And I think sending him to Charlotte is my favorite option for like just mm -hmm. a low-key deal where they, they get Batum back as, as the expiring and they give Charlotte a pick. So... I already like that deal just in isolation. 
Um, so yeah, if you want to include that as part of a larger three-team deal, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, so in theory, this gets the Sixers. Chris, so the Sixers then here would be, they wouldn't have the pick. They w- Batum would be on the Thunder as they're expiring. The Sixers then, their starting lineup is Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. Our bench is basically just Shake Milton and whatever we can sign off the scrap heap in free agency. Would you be willing to roll with that as, as the Sixers moving forward? Given that it's not what we rolled with this year, I, 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 yeah, absolutely. At this point, I'm just like, something needs to change. I, I had a miserable time watching Sixers basketball this year. So. I, would, I would rather roll with Lavoy Allen and Daniel Orton than what we had this year. Bring back Khalif Wyatt and the rest, Tony Merton. Just bring back like anyone that can show a glimmer of having fun on the court. I, I liked Tony Roten. He was good. Yeah, no, exactly. Everyone likes Tony Roten. No, Tony Roten's a cult hero in Philadelphia. You may not, you, pr- you probably don't know that, but uh, it's. I, I felt like we might have ostracized Dom and Mitch there. Like, who are they naming? Like, <laughs> that like NFL like linemen or like. <laughs> oh no! And I, I, uh, I caught. I caught just in time when I moved back in 2015 to watch a ton of processed basketball. My least favorite was always Alexi Shved. Uh, he was always the one oh, that man. I disliked the most. I think Wolves fun. fans seem to really like him for some reason. Yeah, fun fact. At the beginning of the season, somebody, we don't know exactly who because they ended up getting banned, but somebody kept trolling the Bruhu comments, and all they were doing was talking about how the Bucks needed to sign Alexi Shred, and he was the answer to everything that the Bucks had failed at during the Toronto Raptors series the year before. It was it was one of the weirdest three days on on our site. Was the Alexi Shred fest? It's interesting <laughs> to know that uh, the Russian bots aren't solely in political circles. They're also going after uh, basketball comment boards to prop their, you gotta be, uh, their guys you gotta up. got to be well-rounded. It's very yeah. important to have a well-rounded skill set. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, so uh, I, I feel like we've kind of zeroed in on the fact that there's a deal to be made between OKC and Philadelphia. Mitch, do you want to kind of just pitch your best offer if you were in the market for Chris Paul and we could kind of see uh, if there's anything to be had there? Absolutely. Any trade I think that's going to be successful between Milwaukee and Oklahoma City is going to have to involve a third team. And it's going to have to involve a third player that is essentially worth Dom's time as the GM of the Thunder. Um, I mentioned it in the DM we had going earlier, but uh, Aaron Gordon from Orlando, is that something? That's definitely something. It's something. I, I think, like I said earlier, he's the 
prime example of a guy that every time I look at him, I think this guy should be really good. And then I look into his numbers and I realize what's going on here. But saying that, it's the magic. And I mean, we saw with Victor Oladipo and pretty much every other high pick they've had over the years, sometimes they just have to not be in Orlando. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be totally against it, depending on what was going in and what was coming out. Right. So with, with that deal, what I was able to, to figure out was, uh, you know, Chris Paul going back to Milwaukee, Oklahoma City would get Aaron Gordon. I think I found a way to get Terrence Ross in the deal as well. Now we're and then, and, uh, and Oklahoma City would also pick up George Hill, who was a very steady veteran point guard. Uh, we would actually send Eric Blenzo to Orlando along with uh, Ersan Ilyasova, who has a non-guaranteed, fully non-guaranteed $7 million next season. So he's basically free money if you decide to waive him. Um, and DJ Wilson, again, just to make the money work and to get enough outbound salary going out. And uh, we'd obviously have to decide on what picks would be appropriate for, uh, for such a deal in terms of making it worth OKC's while. So can you just – so can you go over that one last time, just like all the players involved, just so we have this sorted out? Yeah, I'm, uh, I, need to, I need to rerun the numbers to make sure I have it right. But I think what it comes out to is Oklahoma City ends up with Aaron Gordon, Terrence Ross, George Hill – uh, and Orlando gets DJ Wilson, Eric Bledsoe, and Ursan Ilyasova. I'm going to run that right now and see if that's even a legal trade, which it might not be. I'm not sure if there's a way this works, but speaking in terms of OKC, I feel like this sort of puts them in that dreaded middle a little bit. And so, Dom, let me ask you this. What, like, Shea's obviously a great young player, what what is like how bad do you realistically think the Thunder can be? Like how how much do they have to strip the roster to get to a point where you don't feel like you're in the middle? Hmm. I think Chris Paul was a pretty big portion of what they did, and I think him and Gallo walking is enough to put them pretty clearly out of playoff contention. But they might have enough where they're just I'd almost rather them just strip it down at this point. Um, I don't think Hill or Ross really gets them anywhere, but I'm not how many years does Ross have left on his deal? Is he expiring too? No, it looks like he's actually got three years oh. left. Oh yeah. He was one of those. Mm -hmm. He might be flippable as well. Yeah. He's, he's, he's under contract until for the next three seasons and it's declining salary. He's due 13, five next year and then 12, five and 11, five in 2022. I'm not a big Terrence Ross fan, but I don't know. I think I would be a harder, a much harder sell on this one than the, than anything with Philly. That's totally fair. I have an alternative that I did. That I, I did check the numbers and the numbers do work for that deal, even if the talent doesn't, but I have a different one that takes out uh, the Orlando magic and brings in the New York Knicks instead. Ooh. Mm. I, now I now, now we get the A block on all the uh, afternoon <laughs> talk shows because we have the Knicks involved. So right, right on. That's I'm doing it for the ratings. Um, but to be to be honest, I don't love the talent here as much uh, as I did before, and I didn't like the one before either. Uh, but Bucks end up with Chris Paul, and then the Thunder end up again with George Hill, and then with Julius Randle and Kevin Knox. 
And then the Knicks picked up Ursan, Ilyasova, Eric Bledsoe, and DJ Wilson. And uh, I was tossing around some of the, the second round picks that the Bucks had picked up over the course of their deals the last few years, uh, spread between both OKC and New York. Um, all I can tell you is that the money definitely works. And Chris Paul, please. <laughs> so it's basic. So what would be coming in OKC there? It was Knox. So, yeah, coming to OKC is Kevin Knox, Julius Randle, George Hill. I think I would need some sort of pick compensation, but I actually, in some ways, almost like it better than the Orlando deal, only because it's taking on less long-term money. True, very true. And uh, and Randall is not a slouch. Um, and, and I know that Knox is super young. He's still got two years left in his rookie deal, too. Yeah, I think he's bad, but, I mean, I could probably... Oh, sure, I do, too. And uh, I think Randall, at the least, I could probably just let him put up a bunch of stats on a bad team for a while and tell a team, look at this guy. Mm-hmm. Right on. Uh, in terms of picks, I might be able to offer the uh, the Pacers second rounder in 2022. Um, beyond that, the first round picks for Milwaukee are sort of bare. We're already, we're already due our 22 picks. That means we're not allowed to trade the 21 pick. So I might be able to give you a first in 23 or 24. That would, yeah. I think that would, uh, with with some sort of future uncertainty, just not knowing what will happen anywhere, I think. Yeah, definitely definitely have to have some protections on it, but I think we can work out reasonable protections. Yeah, I think we can figure out something. So, Dom, I just wanted to come back to this point real quick, because you talked about, like, I mean, you talked about this, the you don't want the Thunder to get stuck in the middle. And, I mean, I don't think you'll have too much of a trouble if you get rid of Chris Paul, like not making the playoffs because the West is just going to be so loaded with teams going for the playoffs next year. I don't think there's any one team that won't try to make the playoffs besides perhaps the Thunder. But the key to like, if you really want to try and get a high draft pick, like be worse than some of the crappy East teams out there. Like, I mean, just off the top of my head, like play Terrence Ferguson all the minutes he wants and it will help you in that quest. (laughs) Oh, will it ever do could anybody take Terrence Ferguson, please? I can go on a long rant about this, but that was like, honestly, that was my least favorite draft pick that I can remember a team I've followed take in forever. He's, he's not good. He, he's not very good. And also, like, I, I don't even think the Magic would want to trade Aaron Gordon going back to that one trade just because it seems like Jonathan Isaac's going to be out for the whole year. And I don't think the Magic want to suck. I actually think they kind of like being competitive and, I know they're not really relevant, but the fact that they make the playoffs, they've made the playoffs two years in a row now, I just think that matters to them. And if they don't have Aaron Gordon, they're losing, they don't have the strip, like the kind of wings that they covet, the athletic wings. They probably don't want to have go a season without Gordon or Isaac. Orlando loves hanging banners for winning game one of a first round series. They, pro- <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> This is an interesting subject for Mitch. <laughs> uh, no, I. So, like Dom, like after hearing all these offers, like would you still like? Would you go for the one Mitch just like proposed to you, or would you still like if that's the one the Bucks like front office offered the Thunder, or would you go for that one or the Sixers original offer of Richardson, Horford, and the twenty-first overall pick for? Chris Paul, which one are you kindly, or you could even say the 
Chris Paul plus Dennis Schroeder for uh, all the other Sixers assets too. The one that I mentioned a little bit earlier too. I think I would rate it as the Paul and Schroeder one first. Wow. If the Matisse one was there, that one would be second. If not, the other Sixers one and then the Bucks ones would probably be after both of those. Yeah, the only thing about the Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder to the Sixers trade is that it hinges on the Charlotte Hornets making an objectively terrible decision. So it's like a 90% chance still, but, you know, just like 10% it doesn't happen. I, I honestly don't think it's a bad trade for Charlotte. Well, it's – it's. What is Al – is Al Horford going to make them better in any mean – like they'll get better, but why would that matter? They're going to still be bad. Right. So you, they're you, not well, – uh, here, here's my, my rationale. They're not going to get demonstrably better that they have to worry about not being a high lottery pick. Al can be like a kind of mentor veteran presence for them. That's and so, it's, so overrated. And they're getting a, a pretty good pick. Like if they, if they traded uh, either the 21st pick or, you know, top 20 protected first in the future of that Philly owned, or they could uh, package like uh, that 34th overall pick and, couple other seconds or something um so they're getting picks they're not going anywhere so like they they're capped out they it's not like they can go in the free agent market and get the whole point of having the nick batum expiring is that it relieves your cap for next year because even books they're not in a place where they can go out and get a real difference maker i know Um, i just like I don't understand the point of you're going to still finish as one of the worst teams in the league even if al horford's on your roster not to mention that I, I don't want him to, like – because Al, like, Al, who's either a power forward or a center, depending on the day, taking minutes away from their guys like P, uh, P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges, who should be playing all the time at, like, the four and the five to kind of help that team out and figure out what they had in those two young guys. So, I, I, I you know, I just don't know what that really does. Really like, I mean, obviously, if the Hornets agreed to it and I'm the Sixers, I make the trade. I just don't – if I'm the Hornets, I would be really mad if I – after having to suffer through five years of this awful Batum contract, you immediately trade that for three more years of an awful Al Horford contract. Well, like you said, they're not going anywhere in in the next couple of years. So why not just get draft picks? And Horford has one more year of his full contract after this upcoming year. So one additional full salary year to Batum. And then that that last year is only $14 million 14.5 guaranteed. That's very movable, in my opinion. So I, I only feel like it kind of hamstrings them for one additional year. And in two seasons from now, is Charlotte going to be in a petition, a position where they're really worried about contending? I find that highly unlikely. So if I'm them, I would just try to scoop up picks while I could. Yeah, well, I guess what I was getting at is that even though Al isn't that good, he's he provides a baseline level of competence to the point where they wouldn't suck as much as they maybe wanted to for a top pick in the next few years. Cause I mean, like they're playing like, cause I feel like the either two outcomes are he either makes them just a little too good, a little too close to the middle and cause they're playing him instead of like Bismack Biombo. And then the other thing is that he basically takes, he could take away minutes from a guy like PJ Washington who should be playing all the time for them. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's fair. If you think having Al playing 25 minutes a game is going to take them from getting the second overall pick to the sixth or something, it's much wanna, better than 25 Bismack Biombo minutes. I'll say that <laughs> as much as we. Yeah, well, you also can't forget Charlotte is still in the East, 
And so they still have to, like, New York is New York. And I think everybody can agree that we enjoy it when the Knicks suffer, right? Like, we all agree to that. Yes. But there's, there's enough other bad teams in the East that are going to be jockeying for a draft position. And without Horford in the fold, like, Horford isn't elite anymore but he's still like I think you said that that baseline competence that he offers Mm -hmm. unless they get him just to not play him or to deal him later because his last year of his contract is only partially guaranteed and even then 14 mil is still a lot to leave on the cap sheet if you end up waiving him so I don't know what team is going to be willing to you know eat that money just to, to facilitate a deal elsewhere yeah, I don't, I don't see this making Charlotte bad enough to make it worthwhile. And even, like, the 21st pick in this draft, with everything that's going on in the world and how discombobulated everything is in the NBA, like, like I just – I don't see it. I don't see it from Charlotte's perspective. And, yeah, it gets, it gets the Thunder – what the Thunder might want, but it just doesn't seem, doesn't seem feasible. It, it has truly been an incredible podcast when – what started with two Sixers fans, one Bucks fan, and one Thunder, I mean, as you called Thunder writer, well, well, Dom's affiliations are conflicting. It turned into about a 10-minute discussion on the values of Charlotte trying to win and or get better. And so, like, the, the, the possibility of Charlotte getting Al Horford for about 10 minutes, a discussion on that. I will never doubt that Charlotte is totally willing to try to go for the eighth seed every year. Oh, they, they love it. They would love it. It's a little bit like the Orlando thing where it's just – you have to think about these markets where they haven't really won that much. I mean, Orlando's won – Orlando does have two conference titles and has had some success. So I wouldn't say Orlando's won nothing. Charlotte has pretty much won absolutely nothing of consequence in their whole history. Been pretty much their best player, and that led to no playoff series wins, I don't believe, until he went to Boston. All right, so, Daniel, you've you've – kind of laid your claim that Charlotte wouldn't be doing the deal anyway. So I guess the over the bigger Truder deal with CP3 is kind of out the window because the third team's well, hanging up the phone. I think Charlotte might do it. I just don't think – like I, I said Charlotte might do it because I don't think Charlotte's a very, a very well-run franchise. But I just don't think it's smart for them to do it. I think it would be a terrible decision, but I, it's not me, it doesn't mean I don't think they would do it. <laughs> that is a reasonable point. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, I was surprised on by how much you were like, how little almost you're willing to take from the Sixers. Cause I mean, I hope Sam Presti isn't listening to this. I think the Sixers are very desperate to try and fix what's happened. And like you saw, but like that original trade offer where I was throwing in Thibel and Furcon and Horford and the pick, like the Sixers really need Chris Paul. So there's one thing we've learned in these playoffs and I'm sure Mitch can attest to this from, the Bucks' recent playoff failure, like yep. being, being versatile and having counters to certain things is like the ultimate, like you told, like I picked the Bucks to win the finals before the playoffs started. And I had, after like the first month of the season, I was set on the Bucks are winning it all. But what I failed to consider is that how big of a difference there is now in the NBA between regular season play and playoff basketball and in the playoffs, just playing the same team every night, being able to scheme against them, like it really just helps when you have a guy who, without getting all the way to the rim against which, like I mean, good playoff teams are filled with guys who can stop the ball on the perimeter and force tough shots. Having guys who can hit those tough shots, 
having guys who can do different things. Like we saw me and Sean watch the Sixers all year. If like the ball didn't go to Embiid in the post, there really was nothing else happening. There wasn't another option. It was like maybe a Tobias Harris, like 15 foot fadeaway or a kick out three to a guy who was a bad shooter if he wasn't named Furkan. So there really just wasn't that much for the Sixers to do. And for Mitch, like, I mean, you can definitely speak to this, but like the Bucks, it felt like Giannis like either gets all the way to the rim or these other guys who are, aren't moving around, they're just standing spotted up at the three-point line. Either they have to hit that shot, and the Bucks could definitely use more, like use better spot-up shooters, because I think it was only Middleton and um, George Hill like shot above average from three this year for them of their meaningful rotation players. So, like, Mitch, I, I just you can talk on that, too, if, like, how important it is for these teams. Like, to have a guy like Chris Paul who can just, when things bog down, you have a counter to what the other team is trying to do to stop you. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's all about the ability to manufacture points. And that's something that the Miami Heat put on a clinic almost against Milwaukee was they demonstrated how to manufacture points when the Bucks did decide to play their defensive scheme the way it needed to be played. And they did actually make things difficult for the Heat. You can do that by earning foul shots and getting points from the free throw line, or you can earn it by moving the ball around. And by virtue of moving the ball around, you can get some of your players moving around too and creating openings from three in order to get those shots up when you need to get them. Um, but I wanted to really quickly, I had a question for Dom as we get back to CP3, because it's, it's pretty clear that in a vacuum, if you replace the starting point guard for either team, either Milwaukee or Philadelphia, if you replace the starting point guard with Chris Paul, those teams would be better. Mm-hmm. But my question for Don is knowing that and knowing what the Thunder are interested in and what they want for the future, why not ask for Ben Simmons? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I mean, I, I would gladly take Ben Simmons. I, I didn't really think there was any way to do that without actually including, like, Shea pretty much. Yeah, Simmons is pretty much untouchable unless you're getting a top 20-ish young guy in return. So I don't see a workable deal there. Yeah, I think that's uh, interesting. I don't really see a reasonable way that Philly can trade Simmons or Embiid and end up getting substantially better at this point. One, one. Well, the, re- the reason why I even brought it up is because, yeah, like Simmons does have a lot of unique skill sets and, you know, offers a lot that other players just physically aren't able to offer. But if you make the centerpiece of your offense, you know, Chris Paul and Joel Embiid with Tobias Harris as the third option and Josh Richardson able to spot up from outside and then, you know, maybe you, you clean up your, your depth a little bit to be able to provide more shooting around them. That fe- I mean, if only for the spacing, and it feels like it might really unlock something for Philadelphia while they do still have enough defensive stoppers to, to still play, you know, high-level defense. I mean, maybe, maybe it's just me and my anti-Ben Simmons bias, which I can assure you is very strong. <laughs> but uh, but uh, that, that's, that's, where, that's where my – I thought this conversation was going to go that way, and I was very surprised to see it not even brought up. Yeah, I mean – it's a little bit like obviously like and I agree with this, but we kind of try and we're probably thinking of Ben a little bit like you think of Middleton and that if we trade him, are we really getting that much better? It's just like exchanging guys around the same like kind of superstar ish level. But 
like, I mean, and you, I know you're what you're saying about in theory, does that team work better of the spacing and everything? I don't know. You might be underestimating how like the, the lacking athleticism of the Sixers wing players and just how brutal it was for them trying to stop Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in that first round series. Cause they, without Ben Simmons, there was absolutely no answer for the Sixers. And I think that really matters that Ben basically against those tall creator types who are the most valuable commodity in the NBA right now, a, a taller guy who can get you a shot off the dribble. Ben Simmons can kind of lock those guys down, which is really, really valuable. And like before the bubble started, I mean, there were, there were legit conversations among Sixers fans that Ben was might have passed Joel in value. I think Ben's going to make third team All-NBA from all the votes I was seeing, and Embiid probably did not. Not to mention Embiid, like, very, very scary injury history, whereas, I mean, like, Ben obviously has now had his share of injuries, but not to the same extent Embiid has. So that's another thing to consider. And just one last thing I wanted to throw in here, because I know, Mitch, you only you got, like, only 10 minutes left before we probably have to wrap this up, but – I think it is very funny and very telling that at no point did me and Sean try and offer Tobias Harris because we knew how bad that contract is. Dom, we'll take Terrence Ferguson back if you're interested in uh, Tobias Harris. <laughs> can we just disregard money altogether? <laughs> I'd rather not. And can I be totally honest with you guys? I actually think Philly makes more sense dealing Horford than Harris due to fit. I actually think Harris, as bad as he was in the playoffs, is a little underrated. I mean, yeah, he's not a bad player. It's just he plays on maybe the worst. Like, at least when you look at Horford's contract, like Sean has mentioned, like, oh, it's declining. Oh, it's not that big. It's 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 a big contract, but it's not like a super max. But you look at Tobias Harris' contract, and it's like, why are the Sixers paying the 65th best player in the league the 10th most amount of dollars? Oh, yeah, I would agree there totally. I just think he's, in terms of basketball fit, he makes a bit more sense on court. Absolutely. Yeah. The thing, the thing with either Harris or Horford is that Horford just, there's such a clash with, you can't play him with Embiid and Simmons. So you're paying a guy that can't even play with your two stars on the court all at the same time. So there's just such little marginal value of having him that even if the difference in overall talent between Harris and Horford isn't that wide it on the Sixers, it's incredibly wide. And if you're talking about getting Paul or whatever deal you want to make to increase your championship ceiling in the next two years, then getting rid of Tobias doesn't help that because for whatever you want to say about the contract and how he's not a perfect player, he was still their third best player this season. So you can't trade your third best player away if you're going to really make a run at things in the next two years. Though to be fair, Sean, I mean, we talked about this. What is third best player on – the 17th best team we had a remember that conversation we had where during the bubble like we said are the Sixers like the 17th best team in the league because yeah. we would have think... picked all eight west teams over them we would have picked the Suns to beat them at that point like, yeah I think we settled on they were like legitimately sixth in the east and they would have been 10th in the west so they're they're was... around the 16th best team yeah I think that was after <laughs> one and two of the Celtics series it was a very dark time Still is. It's always a dark time. Uh, Mitch, Dom, anything you want to close up with here before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I think that was about it. We covered some pretty good deals. I think I'm hopeful that maybe OKC actually will have a market. 
And uh, I'm going to go see if I can talk to the Jazz about Mike Conley and get rid of Eric Bledsoe. I, I did look into some Mike Conley stuff, like three-way trades, if that was possible. And also, Dom, Mitch, if you want to plug anything, the sites you write for, pieces you might have coming out, uh, you can drop your Twitter. Like, why, why am I blanking what it's called? But drop your twi- Twitter down, down in the pod. Uh, yeah, I am at uh, Bondom34, B-O-N-D-O-M-3-4, uh, writing for Daily Thunder. My last article was a few weeks ago on the uh, legend Lou Dort, if you're interested. Always yeah. interested in Lou Dort. It was good to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and you can find uh, my stuff over at Brew Hoop. My latest article dropped today about, you know, just what the Bucks have to do. You've heard, you know, Daniel mention it a couple of times in the episode, but it focuses on the importance of asking the right questions in order to find the right way forward. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Mitchell underscore NBA. All right, sounds great. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on the pod. Thanks, Dom, for trading Chris Paul to the Sixers in theory, as long as the Hornets agree to, I think, what three out of four of us said would probably be a bad decision. I mean, Sean was the one, I guess, standing for the Hornets keeping or like Hornets moving on from, from Batum for Horford. But yeah, this was a lot of fun. And thanks, guys, for coming on. Hopefully, we'll have you back on sometime in the future. Thanks yeah, thanks. Talk to you guys. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, thank you guys. And I look forward to uh, Chris Paul being a Sixer and shipping Josh Richardson and Al Horford to Oklahoma City. That that would be a real treat. Very, very good treat. Yes, John. <laughs> All right. And Daniel, I'll talk to you next week. All right. See ya. <laughs>